Amen. Well, it's officially March Madness. Anybody excited about the month of March? Any, any college basketball fans in the house? We got a couple? We got a few? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a college basketball fan. Uh, I, I've been so from my early days. Uh, I played college basketball. I, I enjoyed that season of life in my life, and I grew up around the sport of basketball and going to games with my dad at an early age uh, because he ran the shot clock uh, for the UNLV men's basketball team and still does today. Uh, I can remember at a, at a very young age uh, going to the games with him. And it was a sweet time being able to enter into the Thomas and Mack Center and cheer on those UNLV rebels, and we still do to this day. And I, and I remember at a young age, I would always go with my dad. And we'd go to the game, and we'd go into the back way because he had the access into the arena because he was part of the team that did the clock and the scoreboard. And if there was TV there at the game, he helped run the TV stuff. And so I would always just walk in with him, right? And so I grew up around this game to the point where they said, hey, you know what? You're always here. Why don't you just be a ball boy? And so I was able to pass the Rebels the ball growing up and sweep the sweat off the floor, and I would sit right there on the court with them. And every once in a while, there'd be somebody that, that may have not known me, and they would say, uh, excuse me, young man, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and, and where's your ticket? And why are you on the court? <laughs> and I would always just say, I'm, I'm with that guy right there. They'd say, which guy? And they, they would see, they'd see my pops, and they'd say, oh, oh, you're good. <laughs> Everything's, everything is Everything's good. Um, actually, the demeanor would change. It, it was an attitude shift. It was like, instead of, why are you here? They're glad you're here, right? Like, oh, glad you're here. Great. Let me know if you need anything. And um, I'm thankful for, for my dad and his investment in the city and in, in, in the sports realm and want to show honor to him um, as he's just been, he's been stellar in my life. And I realized a, a life principle as I was preparing for this message, I was reflecting back on those days. I was at the Rebel game this past week, and um, just fun days still at the, those times, this March Madness. I, I was reflecting on this principle that it, was, it had nothing to do with who, who I was or what I did. It was just the fact of who I was with that gave me access into the arena, right? I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling Access by Association, Access by association. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. Hey, guilty by association, right? Because you're there and you're with them, you may have not done a thing, but just because you were there, you get to have the consequences too, right? Is that true? Has anybody ever experienced something like that? I, I, I want to say the same is true, that, that, that we're guilty by association, but not just guilty for the believer in Christ. We have access by our association. And we see that here in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 together right now. Uh, and we're going to look specifically at verse 1 all the way through 7. Because I want us to get the proper context of what God is speaking to us here through this awesome book in Ephesians chapter 2. We've been walking through this book for the past several weeks verse by verse. If you want to catch up, you can catch up on all the previous sermons on walkchurch.com or you can search out the podcast, Walk Church will be there. But let's go ahead and jump into his word right now and catch up to verse 6 and 7, which is where we'll be today. The author of the scripture says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, everybody say all. all. 
That means everybody in the house today, among who we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's who we were, like the rest of mankind, but then we just talked about it, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And this is where we're going this morning. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 7. So that, everybody say, so that. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. Teach us, grow us, convict us, show us, love us, change us, set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Access by association. Access by association. We realized here in these first few verses that, that we're a dead person. Yeah. Right? That's, that's our testimony. Now, maybe this would be a reminder for you. And that's what Paul was doing is he was reminding the church that apart from Jesus, we're dead. He was reminding the church. Maybe it's not just, maybe it's not a reminder. Maybe it's the first time you've heard that. Maybe this is a revelation for you that you're a dead person. The most unloving thing I think a person could do is deceive somebody into thinking there's something that they're not. Right? Like if someone were to say, hey, you're a good person. You're a good person. It's not that you're not a good person. It's not that you're a bad person. It's that you're a dead person. <laughs> right? Like there's, there's no like gray area here, right? There's no wiggle room. Like I'm like, I'm like, I'm like half dead. Like I'm kind of like in and out. It's black or white. Like you're either dead or you're alive. Right? You're either alive in Christ or you're dead in sin. You're either regenerated or you're not. Right? You're either in the grave or you're breathing and living. Those are the only, you're either saved or you're not saved. Right? You're not almost saved. You're not like kind of saved. You're not, I think I'm saved. I think I got saved back then. Right? You're either saved or you're not. And that's good news for us today. Because for the saved person, amen. For the one that's not, today's your day, right? To no longer live in sin and darkness, but live in the light of his goodness. Because he can give you freedom. Freedom. I want to allow God to inform us this morning through Ephesians chapter 2. That we're all spiritually dead. That we're all sinful people. That we're all zombies without hope in this world. We're all followers of Satan, and because of all those things, we're all children of the wrath of God. But, 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 but God, because of the rich mercy and grace that he has for us, he decided to intervene on our behalf, sending, dying, rising, chilling, hanging on our behalf. He did all those things in our place for us, which leads us to to verse 6. Here's what he says in verse 6. He says that, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in him. We see this on display for us in verse 6. The word raised up is something I want us to focus on just for a second. That, and we were 
raised up. I, I truly believe and embrace this ideology that, that we need to be raised up, and I believe it because of what it says in verse 1, right? If we're dead in our sins and trespasses, logically, we need to be raised up, right? That's what needs to happen in our lives. We need to be raised up. So that's why I amen verse 6, is that verse 1, I started out dead. Verse 6, I ended up raised up. I get excited about that. Here's why this is cool. I'm going to clap with you. Now, this may sound repetitive. We've been talking about this a lot, and we need to. And I need to be reminded, I'm alive, so I'm going to live like it. Right? I'm not going to let uh, sin and, and death weigh me down when I'm actually alive. I need to remind my heart that. That I was dead, but I've been, I've been raised up. And that's exactly what you and I need, church. Here's, here, let, let me give you the reality. That you could get a dead person right now. This may be a sensitive issue, and I apologize if, that, if, if, it's, if it's capturing that. But, but the truth is we could get a dead person, and we could, we could push them into the car and put the seatbelt on them. And we could drive them to church and plop them down on a seat right here, right? And, and, and we could baptize them after the service. <laughs> and we could force a communion cracker in their mouth, right? And we could say, we're bringing you to charge group tonight, <laughs> Right? We're going to preach the, we're going to get connected. We could do all those things. They'd still be dead. We're we're not talking about making bad people good people, right? I love what Leonard Ravenhill said, the great revivalist. He said, he said, Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. Amen. Like, that's, that's the purpose of the gospel, is that if you're here, to, if you're here today because you want to be a better person, I, I hope that you become a better person because of Christ in you, but that's not the goal. The goal is that you come alive today. If you're here today just because you want to become happier, you've reduced Jesus into a self-help book when he's come to make you alive. He, don't... Don't, don't limit the grace of God to just that. When he's come to set us free and to raise us up into this newness of life. Don't just be content playing around in the puddle of mud. Like turn the corner and go into the ocean. Right? Of God's grace and love and freedom is what he's talking about here today. Verse 5 tells us that we've been saved by grace. Verse 6 reminds us that what we've been saved from is death. Right? Because we have been raised up. The first part of verse 6 tells us the what happened. Right? What happened is that we were raised up. The second part of verse 6 tells us the how it happened. Right? The how happened by these two words. It's because of who we're with. Everybody say with him. With him. him. Because we're with him. Because we show up at heaven's gates. I'm with him. I got nothing. I feel unclean as it is. But I'm with him. Like God the Father is going to say, what are you doing here? Where's your ticket? Why do you think you can come into the arena? I can't. But I'm with him. (laughs) 
I know it's March Madness, right? It's crazy. For some reason, he loves me and brought me with him. He just, he took me with him because of his immeasurable love for us. He raised us up with him. This phrase with him is an important phrase. I want to talk about it really quick. It's actually the Greek phrase, sukathiezo, sukathiezo. It means to place together, to cause to sit down together, to join together. It's actually where we get our English word synchronize, to, to sync together. Tony Morita in his commentary on the Ephesians says, we sync our phones with our computers in order to transfer the music on the computer to the phone. Well, we were synced with Christ. What God did for Christ, he did at the same time for believers. If you would plug in and get synced up, the same things that Jesus has are going to be given to you. The same credentials, the same achievements, the same accomplishments, the same righteousness, the same holiness, the same goodness that Christ has can be synced into your account, which is why you're able to be with him on that day, which is why God's able to look at you. And even though practically don't feel like it, positionally it's true in him. Because we've been placed together and synced with Christ, we now get to take part in all of his achievements and accolades. I'm with him. That's all we got to bring to the table is those two words, with him. 164 times in the New Testament, the authors use phrases like in Christ, with Christ, in Christ Jesus, with Christ Jesus. Because really that's all it's about at the end of the day. It's all we got. Our hope is in him. If you got all that, say, I got it. I got it. Amen. Let's continue to read in verse 6, the second part of verse 6. It says that he raised us up with, up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is, a good, this is a good word right here. I'm excited for this word. At first, let me just be honest. I didn't quite understand what it means to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And I spent some time with it, and I hope that it will bring some revelation to you this morning. This is a really neat idea right here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 helps us understand it a little bit more as it testifies to what Jesus did on our behalf. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the imprint of God's nature, which is super dope. Amen? And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is allowing you to breathe today because he said so. Amen? After making purification for sins, after he died on the cross, and shed his blood to purify us from our sins. He sat down. Everybody say, sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus sat down after he completed his work in full. What's his work in full? Well, after Jesus decided to come down from heaven, to be born of a virgin, to grow up in a radically sinful world, taking on the job of a carpenter, to be spit on, mocked, to die on the cross for sinners like you and me, to rise out of the tomb that they buried him in, and then to minister to his disciples for an extra 40 days, and then to ascend into heaven, and to now be seated at the right hand of God. Jesus finished his work, a full body of work, and then he got, he got back to his rightful place and took a seat at the right hand of God. He rested in his place of victory. 
sometimes I think in sports, sports uh, illustrations, if you would, this is like his press conference, right? Do you guys ever see like after the game when, uh, you know, you finish the game and then you go into the press conference and you just take a seat. They got like the ice cold Gatorade right there, you know, just sitting there to have this press conference and talk about what just happened, right? Um, and, and, and that's what Jesus did. He, he finished the whole work. And I could just see him at the heavenly press conference and all the angels were like, what was it like? You know, like, what did, what did, the, what did the pita bread taste like in the hummus? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, when you walked on water, was that crazy? You know what I'm saying? Um, right? Like, he, he, he was seated at the right hand of God. And, and now, come on, right? The author is telling us that we're seated with him. Wow. I remember watching the playoffs last year. The Golden State Warriors were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this was a scene that happened at the press conference. I want to show it to you, right? That's Steph Curry, and that's his daughter, Riley, who decided to sneak into the press conference. And she's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm in here. What are you going to tell him? Yeah, man, get your daughter out of here, bro. He just won the championship. Like, come on, right? She's fired up. He's having a good time. He, he, he did his work. He's, he, he finished the game, and then he sat down, and she came in and enjoyed the press conference with him. That's a picture of us right here, right? Like, like Jesus is at the press conference saying, yeah, I completed everything, and look who I got with me. I got Hayden with me. Everybody's like, wow, you really did some good, good, good grace, man. Like, he's like, yo, I, look, at this, look at this group from Walk Church that's seated with me at the table. Come on. That's what it means. Because of our associate, there's only one way that some little girl gets to step into the press conference after the end. There's only one way. She'd get escorted out really quick. Anybody else would, right? Anybody else wouldn't even be allowed in the presser. She's at the table. Why? Because she's related. She has, she's, she's got access by association. I know him. He knows her. Do you know Jesus today? Does he know you? If you do, and he does, then you have access to everything he has access to. That's all you need. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You have access today because of who you're with. I love that right there. There's a, 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 a revivalist, a preacher by the name of Watchman Nee, who wrote several great works. He wrote an awesome book called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's a small little book. It's powerful. We're going to have those uh, for sale next week at our merch table. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We're going to keep walking through Ephesians chapter 2. It's going to be strong. I encourage you to buy one of those little books. But here's something that he writes in his book. He says, Christianity does not begin with walking. Oh, man. This is Walk Church. It begins with sitting. What does it really mean to sit down? When we walk or stand, we bear on our legs all the weight of our own body. But when we sit down, our entire weight rests upon the chair or couch on which we sit. He goes on to say, we grow weary when we walk or stand. But we feel rested when we have sat down for a while. In walking or standing... We expend a great deal of energy, but when we are seated, we relax at once. Because the strain no longer falls upon our muscles and our nerves, but upon something outside of ourselves. Amen? So also in the spiritual realm, to sit down is simply to rest our whole weight, 
our whole load, ourselves, our future, everything upon the Lord. We let him bear the responsibility and cease to carry it ourselves. That's what it means to be seated at the right hand of God, to be seated with Christ Jesus. It means that it's no longer your battle to fight. It's his. You can sit down. If, you're, if today you're saying, man, the Christian life is so hard, I can't do it. Well, you need to sit down and let him do it for you. Like, it, the Christian life's not hard for Jesus. It's his life. The Christ life, it's his life. It's not hard for him to do what he does. The Spirit's willing. Your flesh is weak. You need to get out of the way so that he can live his life through you. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Somebody said that once. Um, Everybody, everybody creep back in. Somebody caught that. I ain't mad at you. Not by our own works, not to us, but to your name be the glory, says the psalmist. To, to your name. Friends, he has invited us to sit with him in eternity. Do not, if you don't know Jesus today, let me talk to you for a second. Don't reject that offer. I wouldn't want to sit with anybody else. I love some people in this room dearly, but I don't want to sit with you in heaven. I want to sit with Jesus in heaven. I want to be as close to him as I can be, all right? I'm probably going to be far away, but I'm still going to try to get close. I'm a, and, and he's going to know my name because of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, because I've been raised up with him. I've been seated with him, right? That's who we're with. We got access because of our association. Tim Keller once said it like this. He says, since in Christ, heaven is now our present dwelling, it must be our future destination. Our seats are reserved by Jesus and secured in Jesus. Right? Like, you don't got to go like, oh man, like, I got to reserve my seats. It's already reserved if you're in Christ. I love these promises from God and his word. Puritan preacher John Stott said it like this just to remind us one more time. We were dead, but have been made spiritually alive and alert. I love that word, alert. We were in captivity, but have been enthroned. I mean, Jesus is on his throne. I don't even know what it's going to look like there. But I'm excited to be a part. And I would admonish you today, if you don't know Christ and you haven't put all your weight on him, maybe you've been dabbling in and out. You're like, you know what? I kind of like sitting in the world seat. Um, I kind of like being at, in, in Jesus' seat, but like today, sit down. Put all of your rest, all of your weight, your whole entire load. If you got a backpack of guilt and condemnation, I don't know what you were doing last night. I don't have to know, but he does, and he says, sit down. Believe, receive, come to me, and rest. Praise God, we, we, we believe in a God of rest. He can give you rest. Let's go ahead and finish up by looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. If you're still with me, say, keep going. Keep going. going. We'll just finish up with one more verse. He says, so that, everybody say, so that, that. in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This phrase, so that, is an important phrase. It's a phrase we've talked about before. It's a transitional word. It's a transitional phrase to transition our thinking, right? We've been raised up with Christ, seated with Christ. 
verse 7. So that's the Greek word hina. Everybody say hina. It means that everything that Paul just wrote up to this point, the fact that you're dead, sinner, wrath of God upon you, but God raised you up by grace, you've been saved and seated with him in the righteousness, is all so that, so, so that this verse would be on display for us right now. It, it's so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's, that's why it's all there. It's so, that, it's so that everybody in eternity and even on earth would look at you and not praise you. Right? They, they wouldn't say, man, you got it together. You got it figured out. But they would say, who do you know? I want to get to know that person. It, you would fade to the background. I love the woman at the well's testimony at John chapter 4 because the whole story is about her up to the last verse where it says, and they no longer believed because of her, but they believed because of Jesus and everything that he said to them. Right? Here's, here's why Jesus saved you. Can I remind you of something? And this, if this discourages you, that's a good thing, all right? You're not the goal of your salvation. God is. His glory is. The goal is that in the coming ages, this is talking about eternity, which will come. Either he'll come first or you'll, you'll go first. It's going to happen. In the coming ages, that he might show off. Like, like when you're at the press conference with Jesus, that everybody might say, dang, he don't got measurement on his grace. Like, when, if you're there and I'm there, everybody in heaven must say, man, there's no measuring stick on the grace and kindness of Jesus, right? Like, that he might show off the, me, the immeasurable riches of his grace. Like, how much riches does God have in heaven? Enough to get you there. It's, you, you can't measure the riches of his grace. You can't measure the riches of his kindness toward us. Isn't that good that his... His kindness is, is toward us, that angels would see his kindness toward us, that saints that have gone before us, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would see us there too and say, gosh, Jesus is so kind. I mean, people that really have some messed up stories, right? Like maybe you've blown it one too many times, right? Well, the immeasurable riches of his grace says you can't blow it too many times, right? You've been saved by his grace and mercy and kindness. Think about all those words, right? That just shows how good he is. He's showing off his goodness toward us. Our glory and fame is not the goal, family, right? It's, it's not for our glory. It's not for our fame, Right? It wasn't that God was in heaven lonely, right? Like he's like, oh man, I need more people up here because I'm lonely. He is totally good. He's got thousands upon thousands of angels up there. He's got, he's got saints with him that, that trust him. He's not, he's not lonely. He's, God is content with the Father, Son, and Spirit. He is, just so you know that. But because of his immeasurable grace and kindness toward us, 
he'll give us a seat at the table too. That, that, that should make you say, thank you, Lord. So good. I trust him. It's your glory, God. It's your fame. It's not my own. John MacArthur once said in his commentary on the Ephesians, he says, he glorifies himself by eternally blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ and by bestowing on us his endless, limitless, everybody say limitless. You can't put a limit on it. So don't put a limit on it. His endless, limitless grace and kindness. The whole of heaven will glorify him because of what he has done for us. And we see that in Revelation chapter seven. As our worship team comes back up here to lead us in a time of response and prayer, I just wanna remind us so that we can get our hearts right and be reminded together that it was him. It was him. That even before you were born, he had his heart on you. He had his eyes on you. And he says, because I want to show off my kindness, my riches, my grace, I'm coming after you. And could, could you think of something better? I remember a, a coach once said to me, he said, it's when I stop getting on you that you should be worried, right? It's when you stop feeling the presence of God coming after you, right? But because God loves you so much, he's pursuing us. And here's what he wants to tell you. I want to give you access by your association with him. When God is most glorified, church family, we'll be most satisfied. Right? I love it. That's, how, that's not me. That's John Piper's. When God gets the ultimate amount of glory because of your life, when people look at you and praise God and thank the Lord, we get satisfied. I'm living out my purpose. I'm just showing off. I'm a billboard for his glory, for his fame. When we were serving for Love Strong Month this past Friday right here at Schofield Middle School, and a number of teachers came through and told some of our team members, man, I'm, I'm glorifying God because of this. Like, I'm, 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 give, I'm thankful because you guys are here. That, that fills us up. Not, not we're here. We don't need any credit for that. Because of his glory and his fame, he's invited us to the table. And we embrace that. And that leads us now into a time of singing. There's really, there's, we praise what we enjoy, don't we? If you enjoy something, don't you want to tweet about it? You want to text it to somebody? You want to celebrate it? You want to tell everybody? If you enjoy the grace and kindness of the Lord, I, I hope you would praise him for it. You'd sing out to God. You'd, if you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you want to lift your voice, lift your voice. If you want to come down and be prayed for, we're going to have some of our prayer warriors down here to just pray with you. Don't feel like you have to do anything. But I hope you would receive and embrace his grace, his freedom. Because it's, it's here for us today. Let's pray.